Jedi form Rebel Alliance. Led by Anakin Skywalker, the Jedi have trained a band of rebels to fight the Separatists on the planet Onderon. With the help of the Jedi, the rebels escaped capture and infiltrated the heavily fortified city of Isis. Now our heroes have launched an armed campaign to subvert the Separatist occupation of the planet. The Jedi Council continue to observe and advise as the rebels strive to gain momentum against the Separatist forces. Despite the absence of civilian casualties, public fear has ensued as reports of the rebels' daring strikes circulate throughout the city. Once again, Bucketheads, Mayfar Tigar. Welcome to the 157th Intrepid Insurgents Interfering episode of Mandavision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent, yet awesome Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, on social media, at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandavisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, following, and sharing this show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. How is everyone doing? Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars Rewatch. Monday? Maybe Friday? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm banking so many episodes I've completely lost track of what day this will be out on. But rest assured, it will be out. That's the good news. That is the great news. So how is everyone doing? We are in the second part of our Onderon arc. Onderon, as they uh, probably more pr- correctly pronounce it, pronounce it on the show. I've been saying Onderon since I was like 13 years old and I was reading it in the comic books. Uh, so I'm, you know, going back and rewatching this is like, oh yeah, I've been, I've been saying it this way for a while. But you know, potato, potato, right? Who knows? <laughs> it's, it's a Star Wars word. I could probably get away with saying it as the, the whatever way I want to. Gosh darn it. Well, we'll see if any of you guys call me out about that. <laughs> well, like I said, we are here for the second episode. We know we're 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 charting the growth of Saw Gerrera. Uh, we're seeing, uh, by the end of this episode, we're seeing Ahsoka kind of on her own, overseeing the, the training and, and how the insurgents are running their, uh, you know, war uh, against the, the Separatist-controlled government of Onderon in the, within the walled city of Isis. And this episode is really good in a lot of senses because we get to spend some time, uh, again... I, if you're a Star Wars fan, if you're if you're new to watching the Clone Wars, and like let's say you you know you've seen Rogue One, 
but you hadn't watched the Clone Wars yet and you're going back now and you're rewatching, you know, maybe you thought like, oh, Sagarera, like, we're going to see him. He's going to be like the leader of this insurgency and, and liberate his planet. Uh, and what we find is a Sagarera that's not ready for the role of leadership just yet. He's, he's got a lot to learn. It's his, it's his sister Stila that uh, is, is sort of the one who, who takes control, inspires the troops, inspires the people of, of Onderon, of Isis, to to fight against the the, the separatist controlled government um and i think it's a it's a good lesson for saw because saw at this point you know he's a capable very capable fighter uh you know very very good at at the 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 martial the you know the the combat i guess we'll just leave it a combat i was gonna, I was gonna try and do a spin a big fancy word but I'm, I'm gonna let it go but yeah he's a he's a really really good soldier but he doesn't quite have the the skills to be a leader just yet he's got to learn those you know he's still very impulsive very brash uh probably cocky and arrogant as well and and you know that doesn't exactly inspire a lot of people very very often um and and it's something he has to learn is to sort of check his hubris a little bit and that's what we kind of see over throughout this arc particularly by the end as as the insurgency you know pays a very steep price spoiler alert for a show that's over 10 years old <laughs> but but you know it, again it, it, it's, it's pivotal to saw's development uh as as a leader in in the future and again i, I like it a lot too for for ahsoka uh kind of being put in a position here where she's overseeing this where she's kind of has to supervise them make sure they stay on track stay on target don't cross any lines don't do anything silly stupid get themselves caught or or you know expose any potential connections to the republic and, and at the same time, she has to balance her feelings out because she's got a little bit of a situation going on. You know, she has feelings for Lux Monteri, but she can't express them. She can't re reciprocate whatever feelings he might have for her. Uh, and he's watching this relationship between Lux and Stila Guerrera uh, blossom in front of her eyes. And she has to sort of deal with that and, and, and you know, kind of let it happen. But, you know, <laughs> she's young and learning and it's not always the easiest thing to do to let someone go in that regard. But that's part of Ahsoka's journey, and we'll, we'll talk more about her attachments and her being able to let go of those attachments as we as we sort of progress through this. So this is Season 5, Episode 3, Frontrunners. Original air date October 13th, 2012. The plot this week, the Jedi and Rex return to Coruscant and leave Ahsoka in charge of supervising the Onderon Rebels as they carry out a series of strikes in the capital. Our cast this week... Oh, hold on. I jumped ahead. <laughs> our director this week is Seward Lee. This episode written again once again by Chris Collins. And our cast this week. Andrew Cushino is Saw Guerrera. Don Lane Gardner is Stila Guerrera. Jason Spisek returns as Lux Bonteri. Ashley Eckstein, the great Ashley Eckstein, is Ahsoka Tano. Kirk Thornton is King Sanjay Rash. Matt Lanter is Anakin Skywalker. James Arnold Taylor is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Matthew Wood is the Battle Droids. Barry Denon is Ramses Dendop. Dend up, excuse me, the, the, the old king that we'll meet in this episode, the one that has inspired the Guerreras to, to start this insurgency. D. Bradley Baker is Captain Rex. Nika Futterman has a role in this episode as, as Dono, Citizen, and Rebel. So she's working hard in this one. Corey Burton is Count Dooku, and Tom Kane is our narrator. Uh, and let's, let's, just get, you know, let's just get into it. Let's just start it up. Uh, our, our Jedi Fortune Cookie for the week to seek something is to believe 
in its possibility. And then that is a free Onderon for, for the Rebels. And, you know, there is, it might be a little bit deeper than that. We'll have to check it out as we watch and review the episode. But I don't see why we can't just get into this right now, why we can't just dive in. You know, when we started the Onderon arc last on the last episode, uh, I, I gave a lot of background material, uh, you know, my personal history with Onderon and, and talking about Saw Gerrera and all these other things. And it was a long, rambly preamble. Let's just dive into it. Let's get into this episode. Let's dive in. Let's have some fun. You know what that means. It's time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Dentup has been summoned and awaits your order, my lord. What about the terrorists? They've attacked a checkpoint near the canal and two droid patrols. One in Malgan Market. If they think destroying a few droids is going to affect change, they've run a fool's errand. One more thing, my lord. The royal carriage was ambushed soon after it left the residence. Hmm. An attempt on my life. It appears that way. So that was the new pro-separatist king. That was Sanjay Rash. And he now sits on the throne, pretty much installed by the separatists, I think it's fair to say at this point. Uh, and we're about to hear from his predecessor, the one who's inspired the rebellion to begin with, the one who they feel is the true king of Onderon, and that would be uh, Ramses Dendup. So let's go ahead and check in with him and see how he feels about reports of this incursion and sort of the idea that that uh, that Rash has that he's somehow controlling it, even though he's been pretty much sequestered in, in, in the royal palace here on Onderon. You surprise me. Engaging with extremists is beneath you. Do you really want your crown back that badly? I only want freedom for my people. <laughs> your supporters are responsible for terrorist acts against the kingdom and our allies. I didn't know that. You've made it quite impossible to stay informed of anything outside my prison chamber. Call off the attacks. I cannot call off what I did not dictate. What you're up against is simply the will of the people. It's up to the king to embrace, bend, or break it. And I am no longer the king. Stop the attacks, or you will atone with your life. It is you that must end the attacks by ending the droid occupation. All right, so we know how they feel about that situation here, the old king. And we'll hear more about what led to his sort of downfall, uh, I believe is in the next episode of the, of the show, where we'll get a little bit more information on, on why uh, he's no longer the king and, and how uh, uh, Rash seems to have taken kind of control, probably with the aid of Dooku. Another one of those situations where Dooku instills, installs a leader, a leadership that's pro-separatist, pro-droid army. Uh, but we'll get a little bit more background on the, on the situation on Ondra and how this kind of came to be. I want to backtrack to the very beginning of the episode uh, because this episode has a very unique introduction as, uh, it, you know, the action kind of begins as the narration is still unfolding. You know, we're seeing uh, Lux and we're seeing Stella, Stila and we're seeing Saw Gerrera and, uh, you know, Ahsoka's in the mix too as, as an observer and, and 
they're they're getting ready to lay out an attack, and and we're kind of witnessing that as Tom Kane's narration is unfolding. So that as soon as it's done, I mean, it begins a pretty big action sequence to open the show as the rebels uh, destroy you know a couple of droid patrols, and you know we'll talk about we'll, we'll play the clip of of, of what what Ahsoka tells to the Jedi Council and how she views the situation. But we see it on the face of the people of Onderon in the city of Isis that they're still, uh, you know, afraid. Uh, they, they don't know, they don't quite trust the rebels just yet. You know, they, they're worried that, the, that in their quest to sort of liberate the city and the planet from the droid army that uh, eventually their lives will be forfeit in the crossfire of this battle. So they, they haven't quite embraced the, the rebellion just yet. Uh, but this episode does a lot to sort of shift that, and, and we'll see that more in the third episode of the arc, too. Uh, another thing I want to go back to before we really really kind of get our teeth in this episode is I was thinking more and more about the situation. And the, this arc does have some strong similarities to what we saw from the Jedi in A Phantom Menace, The Phantom Menace, uh, where you know the, the, the inner politics of Naboo were something that the Jedi really couldn't interfere with. Now that that was sort of an interesting situation because again they were sort of they you know it was an illegal occupation, um, but I guess the Jedi felt bound by the by that treaty that was that you know quote unquote legitimate treaty that the the that the Trade Federation came up with to sort of stay out of the internal politics and they only really got involved in the battle to a protect the uh, uh, um, Queen Amidala. Uh, and, and to engage the Sith, who at that point they were suspecting to be involved in 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 these in this again illegal occupation of Naboo, they had something to do with it because again they were being hunted by by Sith on Tatooine. So that was sort of their role here in in, in Naboo. And in, in this episode, it's sort of like the same thing. They're staying out of the internal politics, uh, but they're supporting the rebellion in a different way. Than they did on Naboo. They're they're you know they're training their army. They're assisting in and 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 that is sort of like the big distinction between the two. But yeah, when it comes to the, the internal politics, the Jedi seem to not want to be involved. And whether that's by edict or by by some kind of decree from from the Republic, who's to say for sure? We never really get a lot of clarity on that. It's not like the Jedi follow some sort of prime directive or anything like that, where they can't interfere. Um, where it's not, I guess I should say, it's not overtly known if they can't necessarily interfere with a, with a situation, which again is a little confusing because they can't get involved in these planets' political situations. But I mean, they are sort of working at the behest of politicians in the Republic. So it's it's a sort of, and again, I think it's I personally find it to be one of the reasons why the Jedi were sort of doomed to fail with Sidious's plan. And you know, if you go back to the even to the old. EU, you know, uh, Darth Plagueis is, is one of the ones who kind of got this ball rolling, and and uh, Sidious just picked it up <laughs> from him and kind of kept it going because he's like, you know what, this is a good plan. I'm going to take this puppy over, but we'll talk about Darth Sidious and Darth Plagueis another time. That's a whole different episode. Let's get back into the rebellion here. Let's check in on the Onderonian, the Onderon rebels, uh, as they're feeling pretty good about themselves coming off the battle they just staged. Success will not go unnoticed. I agree, but we need to be mindful of public perception. What was your observation, Padawan? The people were fearful, Master. Indeed. 
Judging from the reactions I saw today, I'm afraid they will mistake your intentions. We need to do more damage. A few dozen broken down droids will do little to free Onderon. The people need to believe we can succeed. Without their support, our efforts are meaningless. If they're afraid, they won't support us. We need to assure them of our intentions. I don't understand. Why are they afraid? They're afraid we're not strong enough to win. We need to earn their trust. You'll have plenty of time to earn their trust. All of you are going to be very busy. Today was only a taste. You'll get your chance. In the meantime, make the most of your victories. Welcome and learn from them. We talked a little bit about it in the prior episode about how Sagarera is not quite ready to lead a rebellion just yet. I mean, and you heard it right there. You know, it, in his mind, it's all about destroying more droids, the liberation itself. He's not really worried about getting the will of the people behind him. He's, he's not worried about uh, the politics, the, the optics of the situation. Uh, Stila, much more understanding that you have to win the hearts and the minds of the people. You can't just hand them a victory. You can't just hand them freedom. You know, they have to support it. They have to want it. They have to earn it. And that ep this episode is really about uh, that that very thing. And, you know, who's going to lead this rebellion to the heights that it needs to get to to liberate ISIS and ISIS and Oneron itself from the droid army, from King Rash and, and the influence of Count Dooku. And it, it can't just be won by, by victory, by battles. You know what I mean? You, you need the support of the people. If not, then you are really just a terrorist, right? If the people are behind you it's this, and you are reflecting the will of the people, then, then it's a rebellion. It is, it is, you know, for the betterment of everyone, right? You're, you're, throw, you're trying to overthrow an unjust, a corrupt government, a, a wrong government. And, and that what is what makes the rebellion legitimate, right? So this is, a, this is something that Saw Gerrera is not quite capable of at this particular moment. And it's not something that he ever gets really good at. I mean, when we catch up with him years later in Rogue One, you know, he's broken away from the rebellion against the Empire because he's not into playing that game. He wants to be in battles. He wants to be in direct conflict with the Empire. That's how he feels it's best to overthrow them, not by being in committees and councils and arguing about the best way to do things. So, you know, Saab very much on brand at this early point in his career to where we will see him later in life uh, as as the toll of those battles, uh, as, uh, you know, as, as he as he as he wears a toll of those battles on his on his body, you know, scarred and broken down as we find him in in Rogue One. So yeah, interesting, interesting stuff here. Let's check it back in with this this the scene here as the the Jedi are are basically preparing to turn over uh, the rebellion to the Onderon the Onderonians themselves, uh, and Lux has an idea about about maybe how best to go about winning over the will of the people by by putting on a um i guess i guess going after a nice nice juicy target that might show more of what they're all about to the people perhaps if we hit something big give a show of strength they will overcome their fear and join us do you have something in mind i know the perfect target All right, so he knows the perfect target, but we're not going to find out what it is just yet. This is the Jedi. This is Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Rex leaving. And they're again, they're going to leave Ahsoka behind, if she's okay with it, to kind of observe the Rebels and make sure everything kind of stays the course. 
I think they're ready to give the 501 some competition. Let's not get carried away, General. Though, these rebels have impressed me. We will share the developments with the Jedi Council. Ahsoka will remain here as an advisor. Monitor them and report back with their progress. Are you up for it, Snips? Or would you like to return to Coruscant? No, Master. I want to stay. Good. We should continue to provide supplies and credits, but they must learn to operate on their own. Their survival depends on it. Yes, Master. Remember your purpose. I like that last little moment from Anakin as he's, as he's reminding Ahsoka. He knows that she's sort of conflicted right now because of her feelings for Lux and supporting him being, you know, at least at the very least a good friend by, by aiding him in, in this rebellion. But she knows what her role is as the Jedi there. And Anakin is, is aware of the sort of the, again, the, the, the way that her focus is sort of drifting a bit. And I, I like how he is, Aware of that and it reminds her of her purpose in that very, very good scene. A very good, not even a scene, just like a nice little line from Anakin that he's understanding. And we'll get more of that understanding from Anakin later in the episode. So let's check back in with Lux Bonteri. Uh, who else is there? Ahsoka's there, Saw's there, Steela's there. Let's find out what this big target is that Lux has in mind to win over the people. This power generator feeds substations across the city. We hit that, the entire grid falls. How does that help us? Battle droids are no longer linked to central control. They operate individually. Yes, but they still need power to recharge. If we take out this facility, it will knock out the power grid. And then it will only be a matter of time until the droid army is brought to a standstill. Literally. If you carry the plan out by nightfall, you'll maximize your strike capability. Okay, so we just need to figure out how to destroy the power station. We need to do more surveillance. Those droids should have all the intel we need stored up in those tin cans of theirs, right? They should. Then I'll get us one. And that's what Sagarar does as he, you know, goes down there. It's a nice little uh, scene uh, where he shows up down there, pops the head off of uh, one of the B1 battle droids, and takes it back to get some intel on how the security forces are arrayed around the power, the power plant, basically. What I, how do I put this necessarily? It's fortunate this plan sort of works the way that it does. Uh, and again, this plan will succeed. Spoiler alert if you haven't watched the episode yet. But one of the things I was sort of thinking about was like, okay, so you're, you're prepared to cause a citywide blackout here in order to power down the droids and, and be able to destroy their forces more easily as they will be incapable of fighting back and retaliating. Uh, but what I what I sort of wondered again, you have a citywide blackout here. Like I guess it's thank goodness that they didn't black out some hospital or something like that with a bunch of people like plugged in on life support or, or something like that or some, uh, uh, you know, major. <laughs> I can't even. I guess a hospital is probably the biggest deal I can think of, right? But I guess it's just fortunate that the, you know you didn't lose the hearts and the minds of the people because they didn't have refrigeration for twelve hours and all their food spoiled. That would have upset me if I, you know all my ice cream was melted. I would have been bummed out, like damn rebels melting my ice cream. What the heck? <laughs> so I guess it's sort of fortunate that that's not an issue in this episode. Uh, you know, just just. Fortunate, I suppose, is the way I will leave that. So the plan after they get the head from the droid is, and they see the 
what they have to do. They want to get a tank. They want to find a tank and they want to be able to hijack it, repurpose it, and use its weapons against the shielded walls around the power plant and then destroy the power plant with the tank as well. So that's what they're going to do now. We'll get a really nice action sequence from the Onderon rebels uh, as they cause a distraction. They want to get the droids to call in for backup so they can bring in the tank. But they get to fight off some Droidicas first. And again, again, it's just a nice little action sequence seeing these rebels uh, hard at work and employing the skills that they've been taught by the Jedi and by Rex uh, and, and proving quite how capable they are. So let's, uh, again, we're going to go through the battle a little bit here, but let's find our next clip to play and talk about that. Again, it's a really great action sequence. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. As, as we're seeing the Rebels do their thing, Steela has a new way of, you know, she hasn't quite mastered tossing uh, those, those uh, you know, uh, uh, EMP-type thermal detonators. Again, it's not a thermal detonator, but it's because it's an EMP charge to disable the droids. But she hasn't quite mastered that ability to, to toss them and get them past the shields. Uh, so she comes up with a way of doing it on her own, which is really neat to see. And then we have the actual hijacking of the tank, uh, which, again, is another good sequence, too, because... Again, you think Sagarera is just, you know, being Sagarera, this this ultimate soldier is going to be like super good, like hijacking a tank. But we find out that it's actually Stila who's really, really good at it. And uh, Saw's not quite as good as he wants to think he is at it. And and so it's because of her they're able to get the tank under under control and, and deploy it against the, the shields and the power generator itself. Which leads to another great action sequence as commander droids spring forth from the power plant. Uh, and, and you get a nice little battle there. A lot of action in a, about a five, six minute span. Uh, really, really fun to see. Uh, let's check in, though, as King Rash is uh, seeing this destruction and, and trying to figure out if he can make it work to his benefit. My lord, without power, the droids will be massacred. This loss will work for us. That is what he thinks. <laughs> this con he's going to have a conversation with Dooku in a minute. We're going to play it. It's not going to go his way. That is for sure. One of the things I noticed to hear about King Rash in, in the episodes that we see him in, the guy spends a lot of time munching on things. Loves the snacky snacks. Always has some kind of uh, underonian fruit with him. He can't stop munching on. He throws one in a fire earlier in the episode. It's a whole thing with him. Loves those underonian fruit treats. All right, let's check out the rebels as they're now sweeping through the city, destroying battle droids. And uh, I, I, lo I love the droids' reactions as, as they're figuring things out. Uh, Matthew Wood, as always, is, is great. So let's go ahead and, and hear some fun with some B1 battle droids. There's been a power outage. I've lost contact with command. Switch to infrared. <laughs> yeah, they didn't switch to infrared nearly fast enough. They got mowed down pretty quickly. Uh, and, you know, the Rebels are wearing, uh, like, night vision goggles in this this portion of the episode. Apparently the city's, like, very, very dark. And the B1s aren't switching over to uh, the, the infrared fast enough, and they're getting they're getting mowed down pretty quick, even even before they're powered down. You know, they're, they're kind of useless here in this situation because apparently you can't switch to infrared until someone tells you to. But it's also at this point that the people of Onderon begin to see the Rebels and what they're doing and responding to it favorably. <laughs> The rebels! Fight for Underon! And now we're gonna see more droids get taken down. It's a good stuff. It's a fun sequence uh, as as the rebels are getting the drop on these droids. 
So it's a really big turning point for the rebels because they're they're beginning to win the hearts and minds of the people. The people are getting excited. They're 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 participating. They're helping. They're trying to destroy droids as well. I mean, it's 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 really escalating the rebellion here again with the support of the people in it. Now we get back to the rebel base as they are in a celebratory sort of mood, and we'll hear from our Jedi Council advisors as well. Oh. We must celebrate. With pleasure. Now, what you see, you don't see it there because this is a podcast, but it's another moment where they're sort of misdirecting us, thinking there's some sort of love triangle between Saw, Stila, Lux, and this that's probably from the perspective of Ahsoka, who thinks that way, because we just saw Saw pick up Stila, turn her around, show some affection. But again, this is where we are. We're finally going to get the reveal that uh, 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 Stila and Saw are brother and sister. It's not what Ahsoka thinks it is, and that's why... Uh, Lux and Steela makes more sense, right? So it, it, they're playing this weird dynamic back and forth, and it's a little annoying <laughs> to an extent, uh, particularly at this point because Ahsoka is, is being very reserved from this. She kind of is stepping back from this situation and kind of watching it all unfold, and she's like, oh, so it's not this dynamic, it's actually this dynamic, uh, particularly as she's gonna, as Steela is going to go to Lux now and show affection towards him, and it's much more flirtatious than what she just saw with Saw because brother and sister, like, you know, it's Star Wars. I mean, I guess brother and sister kissing is a normal thing, but no, just kidding. It's a joke. Calm down. Let's let it play out. Come here, you handsome senator. Ahsoka's jealous, though. No doubt. Stila is a born leader. And quite courageous, I hear. Ahsoka, remember what I told you about staying focused. I can't help it, Master. I understand. You do? I do. But try to remember. Always put purpose ahead of your feelings. This latest development will surely get Count Dooku's attention. He will respond harshly. They will stop at nothing to find you. You must adapt and continue to confront them in order to liberate Onderon. We will. And we shall win. In that, I have no doubt. Now you must rally the people. You will need their support. Your ability to influence them will also determine your capacity to represent them. Not only on the battlefield, but off of it. Against your enemies, even within your own ranks. Your commitment will inspire others. Your conviction will lead to victory. After tonight's efforts, the people will be ready to follow. You will need a leader for them to rally behind. Okay, so I pause right there, because there's had a lot to get out of that. The conversation, the, the side, kind of side conversation from the hologram of Anakin to Ahsoka uh, is wonderful. It's so good. It's, you know, he can, even even as a hologram, Anakin senses his Padawan's uh, feelings, her, the, the way she feels for Lux and what she's seen and how it's upsetting her and causing her to lose focus. And again, Anakin is the perfect person to understand these things. But we know that Anakin pursues these feelings at the same time. So in in, in one sense... You have to wonder what Anakin's rooting for here. Is, is he like, yeah, I hope she follows her feelings and, and goes for this relationship because that's what I did, uh, you know. But it's, it, seems, it seems to be the opposite. Like he's telling her to do what he, what he was supposed to have done, which is like kind of shut it down, stay focused, stay on task, stay on mission. So, I, again, he's being supportive of her desire to be a Jedi. But it's, it's again, it's sort of interesting just to kind of parse that out a little bit 
when you, when you realize that Anakin's the one saying these things and, and he's the last person probably to give out this sort of advice, right? Again, I love him being supportive of, of Ahsoka and, and keeping her on, on mission because, again, her desires seem to be to be a Jedi Knight, right? Not to leave the Order to fall in love or to have some kind of secret relationship the way Anakin did. But it's just very, very interesting that it's Anakin who's, who's having her stay on task, keeping her uh, focused and on point. Now, now we get to the conversation about leadership. And again, this is a great part of the episode too. I really like this. And, and Saw Gerrera seems like he's ready to step up and assume the mantle of leadership here for the rebels, but it doesn't. it's, it's not going to go that way. As was noted earlier in the conversation, Rex and Obi-Wan have already observed Astila as a great leader, and uh, they're not the only ones. They are weak. But we'll get to that scene first. We have to check in now with King Rash having a conversation with Count Dooku that, um, again, Rash miscalculates this very, very badly. A very public war. Every trespass is an embarrassment. Your forces cannot manage a small band of terrorists. My lord, your droids have become ineffective against the mounting rebel attacks. I thought I could trust you to rule Onderon. I find this report most disappointing. It seems that the rebels are far more organized than they were in the past. The attack against the power generators proves that. Perhaps it's time you send me better reinforcements than the droids I have. I will grant you this request, and not only send you better droids, but a better general. This is Kalani. I assure you he will succeed where you have failed. So Kalani's one of these, uh, you know, strategy droids, right? Like, is he going to computate battles strategies and all these good things but he has a very interesting look he's not like he's very different than what we've seen from the strategy droids in the past uh, he has almost sort of like a like a venetian sort of design about him the way uh, he has like those etchings and, and carvings and well, maybe not carvings but the, the interesting design work around him it's, it's sort of again it sort of reminded me of uh like again sort of like a venetian design if you will um, a sort of like a, like a, like a masquerade kind of look, um, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like a, like carnival in in Venice. That's the word I was trying to think of. Uh, it's like a masquerade, but it's uh, they call it carnival, carnival. And uh, yeah, I think it, it's it, 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 to me. What do you all think? What do you recognize the designs from? What what sort of ev- what does it evoke in your minds when you see the design work on on this droid? Um, but yeah, there you go. There you have it. And again, Rash, I don't think he's super stoked on this. This is not what he had in mind when he wanted to call in Dooku and be like, hey, hey, Dukes, uh, you got to send me some more droids and some reinforcements. Rash is terrible at this job, right? He's one of the worst installed kings that we've seen Dooku put on a throne. Uh, this guy is useless, beyond useless. I mean, he wants Dooku to do everything for him. He just wants to sit on his throne, eat fruit, and throw it into fireplaces. This guy stinks. He's terrible at this job. Ill-suited for the role that Dooku has entrusted him with. And again, what Dooku says about how he finds this report report disappointing. Uh, love that. The, love the way that line is delivered. Has uh, ooh, ooh, it's so good. Let's go back and check in with the rebels as they're going to make a big decision about leadership here. We need to build on our momentum and continue our attacks to keep them off balance. 
We have to assure the people first. If we keep disrupting their lives, we risk alienating them. We have to gain their trust. I agree with both of you. We can balance both. We also need to recruit others to join us. Onderon is ours. We will remind everyone and keep reminding them until we get it back. All right, so uh, clearly we know what's going to happen here. We saw Lux represent two different sides of the rebellion aspect, right? Saw the more militaristic, the, all about the battle, destroying droids, winning the liberation through ba battle, the, through victory in the battlefield. Lux, you know, a little bit more diplomatic, wants more uh, uh, of a democratic sort of victory, you know, winning the, the people over, getting their support, ensuring their safety, and then... And, and, by ensuring their safety and gaining, gaining, you gain their support, right? And Stila obviously is the one who steps in and is like, you know what, we can do both of these things and that's how we're going to win the day by being, you know, we're going to beat them on the battlefield and we're going to beat them by the by reflecting the will of the people. And, and now is the time for her to step forward. She steps forward and now the rest of the rebels are going to note that and make it official. All in favor of Stila as our leader. Raise your hand. Okay. Looks like it's been decided. You're the leader. Saw. Saw. A little disappointed. Go. He just needs to blow off some steam. He'll be back. I can't. Why? He's my brother. Listen, I'm not going to lie. That was a really awkward way to reveal that. <laughs> and I suspect it was more done for the, the audience's sake, but it's sort of a clunky reveal that they are, in fact, siblings. And again, they share, they share a similar look. We all see it. But they wanted, again, I feel like there was sort of like this deception that there was like this kind of like four-way romance thing going on because like at, at points in the previous episode, Saw's flashing attention to Ahsoka because, and probably picking up on the fact that she's upset that Lux is paying attention to Steel. It, 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 there's a whole weird romance angle thing here that doesn't quite work for me on every, uh, particularly in this episode, because the reveal of Stila and Saw as relations is, again, I'm just going to use the word clunky. It's it's uh, sort of obvious, and the way it's handled, you know, like, <laughs> again, the way it's just sort of handled, the way it sort of plays out, I think they could have done a little bit of a better job uh, sharing that information but they wanted it to be some, some sort of like dramatic reveal. Uh, and, and that's sort of like the one element of this episode that really doesn't work for me. Uh, even more so than the idea that like when they do that blackout, like there was no hospitals or anything like that caught in the crossfire that all of a sudden couldn't put, keep people on life support. Uh, but maybe Oneronians are just very, very healthy and they're not on life support. What do I know? Uh, yeah, so in the, you know, the way that Ahsoka's like, why can't you just let him leave? Because we're related. Duh. <laughs> Clunky. That's all I'm going to say. That's my only knock on the episode, really. Uh, but this one's not quite as good as the first episode, I think. It just a notch or two below. But, uh, you know, I'll put it at seven and a half buckets. Seven and a half buckets, because there is really good action stuff. But, again, you sort of see the incompetence of, of King Rash, uh, and you sort of wonder, like, how did this guy get appointed by Dooku? Dooku does not suffer fools. And this guy's a fool. He is a total, total fool and uh, deserves everything he has coming his way. 
And we'll see a lot of what's coming his way in the next episode of the Underrun Arc. So, yeah, there you have it. That is this week's show. Or, well, at least today's show. There might be another one this week. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I wanted to remind everybody that we are on social media, so please give us a follow. Like our posts. We truly appreciate that. You know, it's so hard to uh, – uh, there's so – it's just a plethora of, of social media accounts and podcasts out there that are that are Star Wars uh, geared and you know we're we're trying to get as more people supporting following and your likes and and shares and all that are are critical to that so we thank you in advance for all the support and everything you're doing to spread the word about the show we are on twitter and instagram at mando underscore vision you can email the show mandovisiontom at gmail.com we will probably read the emails on the show so by all means fire one off uh, if you uh, please make sure you're liking, subscribing, following, and sharing the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. If you want to support the show uh, by helping us defeat the algorithm, you can do that by giving us a sweet, sweet, sweet five-star review. Those are the best. Totally, totally helpful for small independent shows like us stand out and not get lost in the shuffle of those many, many other shows that exist on the internet. I think uh, there should be a study done because I feel like every fifth person in America has a podcast. I think the ratio is getting that bad. <laughs> and I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a good thing. The, the fact that so many people have a voice now and can put out, you know, get their, their ideas and their thoughts and their feelings out about something that they're so passionate about is, is really, really wonderful and is what inspired me to do all this too. So I'm just saying there's a lot of us out there though. So the five-star reviews are really, really helpful if you're a fan of the show. Old listeners, Welcome back. New listeners, welcome aboard. Hope you're having fun. Hope you're enjoying what you're hearing. Uh, and you can influence the show, you know. Reach out, social media, the emails, all that stuff. Love to hear from you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, if you have a couple extra shekels and you want to be a MandoVision maniac, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash MandoVision. You can join, uh, get access to sweet, sweet, sweet bonus content, and hang out with super cool people like the Aspinel Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail, Jeff co-host Ringing Ear, a great music podcast. Check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pry Brewing, right here in San Diego and now Baltimore, Maryland, the Beer Hop Breeder General, Jesus Beer Hops, the silent assassin, he who shall not be named, and Syndicate Ram, co-host of Come On, It's Still Good, a great movie podcast. Be sure to check them out. All right, we're going to be back so very, very soon. The owner on Art continues... Uh, and as I mentioned in our first episode for this arc, if you get the chance, if you have access to uh, like Marvel Unlimited or Comixology or whatever, try to find the old Tales of the Jedi comics. They all they all fall under the Marvel banner now. The, they were originally published by Dark Horse back in the day. But yeah, go check out the original Onderon arc uh, in Tales of the Jedi. I think it's the first five issues or so. And not every single issue plugs into Onderon. I think it's like the first three. But you meet the Beast Riders of Onderon. You learn about how... Uh, the the beast from the the one moon came to Onderon because like every couple of hundred years or whatever like their their atmospheres would would click with and so they could cross over. It's wonderful, uh, and you know and again you can you can look at it and kind of compare what you see in the art in those books to what you see in the episode of the show and it's really really fun really really nice and I, I'm a just it's just a delightful time and it and I I guess I'm sort of wondering too if you do read it. Hit me up. Let me know what you think of it because if you're new to it, I'm, I'm very curious what you think of a Star Wars story that's almost 30 years old uh, and is limited now to the extended universe but was, for me, just this 
incredible sparking moment of like all that Star Wars could be. You know, when you were unencumbered by the continuity, by the by the legacy of Skywalker, because you're going back thousands of years before we knew anything about the Jedi Order. Just a lot of fun. Check it out. I do recommend it very, very much. All right. I think that does it. I got nothing left to say, except this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I would like to see the baby.